This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA here on this Tuesday. Very excited about today's show. I am sitting in the corn processing capital of the world, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It is Bioperformance Week, and I'm here with our friends from Agroxane by Lasaf. We are going to be talking about bio solutions for your farm here today, but we're also going to talk about some other issues that are developing, folks. We're seeing the market start off this week on a down note. Corn down 20 to 24 cents, beans down 18 to 21. We've even seen weakness spill over into the wheat market with Chicago down 19 to 20 cents. Later on in the program, we're going to check in with the ranking member of the House Ag Committee about some of the hearings they're going to be having later on this week, notably in the dairy sector, as they prepare to discuss the farm bill. But before we get to Representative Glenn Thompson, we are going to talk with Hugo Booney. He is the CEO of Agroxane by Lasaf. Hugo, what brought Agroxane to Cedar Rapids here this week for Bioperformance Week? in Cedar Rapids, where LUSAF has its uh, U.S. Uh, operations. And just what kind of operations does LUSAF have here in Cedar Rapids? So LUSAF first, maybe uh, let me introduce this company. It's a family-owned company that's been funded in France in the, the mid-19th century that has developed its, uh, uh, its first business on baking yeast, so producing this uh, little fungi that is yeast. And so they created, uh, they created a global uh, uh, business o- over time, and for the past uh, 40 years, they have started to uh, to develop some uh, uh, some new businesses uh, around fermentation. So here in Cedar Rapids, we are um, where uh, the main uh, factory uh, serving the U.S. Um, is uh, is located. That's fantastic. As, as you think about how the LASAF model works with what you're doing at Agroxine, what, how does it all link together? Can you talk about how Agroxine, Agroxine fits in with the LASAF model? Sure. Um, around 40 to, 40 to 50 years ago, uh, LASAF uh, realized that um, yeast has some uh, extraordinary power, meaning that um, the mastery of fermentation can be uh, leveraged in some other s- other businesses than uh, than baking. And so uh, it started uh, with using uh, some uh, fraction of yeast uh, to do some uh, t- to develop some taste enhancers. Uh, they developed that's our Biospringer um, uh, business unit. They started also the Philo business unit, which is uh, uh, in animal nutrition. So producing some supplement to the ration of, uh, of cattle that might uh, interest some of your uh, people that are listening to us. And, um, and so 20 years ago, um, a new business, a new opportunity uh, raised, uh, the one that using a microorganism to develop some uh, crop protection product and biostimulant products. So that's, that's when it started basically in the beginning of the 2000s. You mentioned biostimulants, biological products as a whole. Hugo, that is a class that I have seen more conversation come from farmers about here in the last five years than I've ever heard before. It seems as though there has been a a critical mass of interest developing in the biological space, but it's a complex science and there's a lot of different pieces to it. From your role as CEO of Agroxane, what are some things that our listeners should know about biologicals here as we we confront them more out in the wild? Yeah, so, Actually, there's. Uh, um, I think that uh, first of all, I'm not sure that complex science would be uh, uh, would be the right word. It's simply a different way of reaching uh, the objectives of any farmers to to increase uh, the yield and solve the problems that uh, you can encounter in the in the fields. So um, here, 
the biologicals um, having the same objective, increasing the yield, as just um, leveraging some uh, uh, different mechanisms, um, different mode of action that make that some of the drawbacks of uh, of chemical products that are um, the residues um, that uh, and uh, and also the, the resistance that are appearing in the field uh, due to the use of a limited number of uh, chemical actives. Um, this drawback are let's say eliminated with our biological. So that's where I think uh, the, the dynamism of this market and the fact that uh, this is really a, a, a topic that is getting a momentum um, on the market, that's the reason why. It's growing in momentum here in the U.S. And Hugo, I'm sure our listeners could tell from your accent, you're not native here to Cedar Rapids. This isn't home for you. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences in agriculture that you've seen working in Europe and comparing it to the U.S.? Okay, I try to do my best with my accent first, but uh, it seems... Uh, you do better with your accent than I did pronouncing your name, <laughs> I think we can say. Very well. Um, so I think that, uh, of course, um, as today, Agroxine is selling in 45 countries. So uh, we are we are home base in, uh, in France, so that's uh, where my accent comes from. But... Um, in the in the 45 markets we're selling our products in, um, definitely there are some different ways of cropping. Uh, the the only thing which is uh, certain is that uh, the problems that I encountered and the and the the issues of uh, um, expensive entrance, uh, residues issues, resistance management is uh, are topics that you find everywhere. What is really uh, particular in the uh, in the U.S. and this is uh, uh, which is really exciting to us is that that the development of the biosolutions relies on, on two main drivers, I would say. Uh, the first one would be, so that I talked about it, the need expressed by the market for lesser residues, organic products, and, uh, and also to, uh, to deal with exportation constraints. Um, and for this, biosolution in that case is a powerful and efficient tool to, to match these needs. And the second uh, driver to me and I see in the world is that the the farmers enthusiasm to try and use cost-effective innovation uh, that will contribute to build a more sustainable model of production and and in the US here um, what is I think uh, one on the only market when I see that these two components are, are very strong that uh, that makes the US such a unique market for for agroxine by the south as you look out uh, Hugo what opportunities are there in the biological space here for agroxine that you're excited about um, I think here um, that's uh, um, the fact that farmers are so open to innovations and uh, and trying to find solution and experiment uh, makes that uh, uh, an opportunity to bring some novelties here for instance uh, I think that a product that has uh, uh, all that is already sprayed on uh, something like 10 million acres uh, around the world um, is uh, is our biostimulant smart foil. That's a product that is uh, um, actually blinding the plant. The, the mode of action is that the product blinds the plant at flowering, uh, and it's a, it's a, for like soybean, for instance. It's a critical uh, moment uh, that will uh, uh, be uh, uh, defining the yield at the end of the day. So here in Cedar Rapids and 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 then some other places if i understand when the us you experience uh, really a uh, high temperature right now and so uh, when the when the when the crops are flowering that will be just the perfect product to make sure that the yield is not too impacted by this really high temperature it's fantastic, folks. That's the conversation we'll be having throughout the rest of the day. We'll be speaking with Chris Thrasher, the director of Agroxane North America, here when we return. But first, Hugo, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the insights you bring from Agroxane. Thanks, Mike. Stick around, folks. More AOA coming up next. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. 
where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. The show marches on here in Cedar Rapids at the Agraxine, Agraxine Bio Performance Week event. And now we are joined by Chris Thasher, Thash, Thrasher. Oh, my goodness. I am having a hard time with last names today. Chris is the director of Agraxine North America. Chris, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's talk about the biologicals market largely here in this country. Chris, how long have you been involved with these products? Oh, you know, I've been working for Audroxine or the uh, previous uh, company, ABM, for nine years. But before then, I was actually working in the ag retail market, positioning biologicals to the consumer. So uh, I like to say I was out working with biologicals before biologicals were cool. So. so, well, tell us a little bit then about the biological market here in the United States. Chris, what have you seen with regard to farmer attitudes in recent years? You know, that that's a really good question is, uh, being with the company for, you know, nine years, um, and then, like I said, selling biologicals before then, I've really seen a, a drastic adoption curve for biologicals. Um, I remember when I first went out into the fields and, you know, I was trying to position even like a simple inoculant, you know, well, I don't need that. That's not something that, um, you know, we, we use on my farm. And nowadays, those same uh, farmers, same consumers are now calling and saying, hey, Tell me more about biologicals. So, you know, I would like to say it was because I was a good salesman, but really it's just because of the market, even our competitors and how we've positioned biologicals into the industry. Uh, I would say 10 years ago, biologicals were looked at, you know, snake oils and fairy dust, as we like to call them. But um, now people really understand that there's technology behind these and um, really have technologies brought us a long, long way in the last 10 years. When we talk about technology in the biological space, largely, what what type of technology are we talking about? Did we find better bugs? Well, that, that's an extremely good question. Is first of all, we need to talk about what biologicals are. Um, this segment, you know, 
we've kind of joked around as the wild, wild west when it comes to segments in the agriculture industry. But, um, you know, biologicals are living organisms or they're derivatives of living organisms. So that's one thing that we really um, stress um, through our organization is, you know, making sure the consumer understands what biologicals are. Um, you know, what we've been able to do is take those organisms that's really beneficial for the plant and deliver them to the plant, either when the plant needs it or as a um, uh, what we would say an offensive or defensive control um, for the for the organism. Offensive or defensive control. What what does that mean in this context? <laughs> well, um, as the name says, you know, uh, when we start thinking about biologicals is, you know, we need to look at biologicals as not silver bullets. So, you know, when we look at how we use uh, biologicals in agriculture, you know, especially on the broad acre crops is something to prevent because these are natural occurring defense mechanisms for the plant. So these, like I said earlier, these are not, uh, you know, things that are created in a lab. Now we may go through a process in a lab to deliver higher concentrations or, um, you know, more effective concentrations of an organism. But um, we're really more on that offensive side of preventing things from happening to the plant. But when something um, such as a fungus or disease does happen to plants, of course, we need some assistance from a defensive um, um, standpoint to kind of complement those biologicals. So for the offensive uh, uh, biological is going out there and attacking that thing which could cause harm yes. to the plant, literally out in the soil, that's where it's going to work. It's going to battle exactly. for your crop. And you know, Mike, another good point is the good thing about biologicals is we're only controlling the bad bugs. You know, we, we know there's a lot of good organisms that and good things that's in the soil, just talk nematodes, for example. We know there's good nematodes, just like there's bad nematodes. So that's the beauty of biologicals is we're not really, most biologicals are not going out and killing anything. They're just preventing those, those bad bugs from uh, affecting the yield and the, and the crop pro progress. Now, we're here in Iowa this yeah. week for Bioperformance Week. Yeah. It is a beautiful place. Uh, talking to, to farmers, and of course, row crop agriculture is where we're seeing biological still is a, is a fairly new mm. development. But there are other sectors of agriculture that have relied on this type of technology for some time, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, the biologicals are widely adopted in some, some segments of agriculture. You know, like you just uh, introduced is, you know, still the broad acre crops, um, still a lot of uh, skeptics, um, you know, how biologicals. So um, actually with my sales team, one thing I always tell them is our biggest competitor is not other companies. It's the non-users, the non-believer in biologicals. So that's really the segment we're after is we want to see our partners in the industry be successful. Um, so that's, that's really the key for this is when you get into the specialty crop market, uh, fruit, vine and vegetables, they're really heavily relying on biologicals not only from the standpoint of their effectiveness, but also from the standpoint of some of the regulations that's out there when it comes to food grade um, crops. And I understand Europe is a similar way. They've been much more quick to adopt biologicals than American growers. And that's really been the beauty of the acquisition by Aldroxine and our colleagues from, from Europe is they have that existing background. You know, LASAF has been uh, working with biologicals for 100 plus years so having that expertise and that background of what's been going on in uh, other uh, other parts of the world is really beneficial to bring here to the u.s consumer absolutely you know as i hear from growers questioning whether or not to bring new technology into their operation whether it's biological or something different one of the chief concerns is how is this going to work with the system i've got set up already i've got this routine we can get through this at planting time uh, if i had something new it's it could go haywire what's it like adding biologicals to an operation particularly in a row crop environment well, that's really where I encourage um, the listeners and, of course, the consumers is to try something different. You know, there's so many different products out there. Of course, I want you to try our products. But, um, you know, if you're if you're still debating on that, if you're hearing um, about um, some of your neighbors is having success with biologicals or different other different industries having success with biologicals is, you know, really do your own homework. You know, don't rely completely on what you hear. Um, from the person providing you that. And I actually read an article several years ago about how expensive is your crop um, advice? Well, really what we've seen here and I've really seen in the last 
five years specifically is much more um, growers, consumers, producers doing their own plots on their farm. You know, I could bring you a, a tabletop full of data, but until you sit on your own farm, um, really that's what it takes to be a believer. And that's how at Aldrock Scene, we really encourage our sales team is the first year, let's go out and let not only the, the grower, but the dealer, the distributors see that um, effect on the crop. Um, that's the reason we really encourage you to split a planter or split a field, you know, whatever works best in your operation to see if this is something you should add to every acre. Chris, what products this year, this growing season, are you talking with growers here in the Corn Belt about adding to their operation? So one really exciting product, and this is really the product that kind of brought um, our two companies together, is a product called Smartful. Smartful is a foliar biological. Um, it really helps to uh, mitigate some of the abiotic stress that, you know, right now with 100 degree temperatures, uh, every crop needing a little more, another additional drink of water. Um, these type of products really kind of help mitigate that stress to your crop. Uh, we've really got some good data and some good videos showing that. So I really encourage you to check out our websites, uh, our social media feeds um, on some of these products. But Smartful, a really nice complimentary product to your existing uh, program. There again, not, not a silver bullet. Um, you really got to make sure that you're feeding that crop uh, properly. You've got a good foundation for these type of products to really affect your ROI and your yield for your uh, for this for this season. For a product like Smartfoil, when is application? Is it a one-time application over the top mid-season or a few times a year? What do you recommend? This product's really designed right at flowering, um, you know, for your crop, um, right at that stage when you would typically be feeding it with something. Um, you know, this is a tank mix. It's, it's good to go in with any type of tank mix you got. Um, really, uh, a really good complimentary spray as you're going around uh, about flowering for the crop. Chris, before we let you go, you've been in this space for nine years. It's changing a lot. What are you most excited about here in the short term? Well, that's, that's what uh, really drives me every day of um, going out and promoting not only our organization, but, you know, biologicals in general is um, you know, we, we talked about that glass ceiling of going to that next level of how we look at biologicals is no longer as just an add-on product for your operation, but something that's truly a complementary, uh, consistent um, part of your farming operation to make the grower more profitable. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we, we are as successful as our consumers are, so we really want to make sure that we're putting more money back in their pocket and more grain in the bin. All right, that's words we're going to go out on right there, folks. That was Chris Thrasher. He's the director of Agroxine North America. And when we return, Glenn Thompson, ranking Republican in the House Ag Committee, will be joining us. We're going to talk about some of the hearings that are coming up later this week. Stick around for more AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA agriculture of america don't go away more aoa coming right up the archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the fertile crescent also known as the cradle of civilization around 9600 bc the roman goddess ceres who was deemed protector of the grain gave grains their common name today cereal wheat is the primary grain used in u.s grain products approximately three quarters of all u.s grain products are made from wheat flour the first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from vienna austria was thankful to the king of poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders, the baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Egg Network. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 
Well, a bit of a bearish start here coming back for the three-day holiday weekend as the grain sector were showing double-digit losses across the board here towards soybeans and in wheat futures here so far this morning. Now, nothing really changed in any fundamental sense for the high-priced grains and oil seeds over the long holiday weekend except for a single section of the U.S. weather forecast. The 6-10 to 10 day time frame said to be the last that can be accurately predicted and temperature expectations for that period dropped significantly over the weekend, bringing some relief to parched crops after the current stretch of hot Midwest weather. 11 to 15 day forecasts are looking closer to normal as well, bringing some hope that longer term temps will at least run closer to normal for key corn pollination periods in July. Rain chances are still few and far between in the near term, though the heart of the belt will see a brief precipitation chance midweek up through the weekend. Now, crude oil as well has dropped from $120 to $110 per barrel as of late. Though crude is bouncing here this morning up $223 a barrel, $111.79. The Dow Jones is up 514 points as stocks are doing their best to recover after a brutal stretch here before the holiday weekend in the equities trade. Right now, as we take a look at some of the numbers here, July corn down 20 at 764 and a half. December down 24 three quarters at 706 and a quarter. Soybeans for July currently down 14 to three quarters, 1687 and a quarter. November new crop beans 21 lower, 1516 and a half. Chicago wheat for July down right now 22 and a half, 10, 11 to three quarters. July KC wheat down 28, 10, 77. Spring wheat July down 23 and a half, 11, 46. Live cattle for August up 10, 136.67. August feeder cattle up 207, 175.02. July hogs up 132, 112.32. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of things have been happening in Washington, D.C. this year related to agriculture, and I'm very excited. We're going to talk about some of those right now with Congressman Thompson. Glenn G.T. Thompson represents the 15th District of Pennsylvania, and he serves as the ranking Republican on the House Agriculture Committee. Congressman Thompson, thanks for joining us today. Mike, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I want to kick things off. As we look at the markets today, we're seeing commodity prices, ag commodity prices down. Crude oil is up. Those input prices are a struggle for farmers. Congressman, last week, you and uh, Leader McCarthy wrote a letter to President Biden about bringing down these barriers that we're dealing with. Can you talk about some of the actions that you'd like to see this administration take sooner rather than later? Absolutely. Last week was a week when, um, you know, the uh, Republican uh, Agriculture Committee members uh, under my leadership and working with Republican colleagues, including uh, uh, Leader Kevin McCarthy, uh, really tried to provide some solutions to the Biden administration, uh, both in a letter form and then uh, ultimately in a legislative form. We, you know, I was joined, Mike, I was joined by nearly 100 of my Republican colleagues, included all the uh, Republican leadership. Um, really, really pleased with, uh, you know, the recognition of just the struggles that, that the American farmer is is um, enduring right now. You talked about the markets today with, you know, uh, input costs are, are going up, uh, commodity prices, which have been at a, 
you know, for most commodities, not all, have been at a record high. But at the end of the day, farming and agriculture is a business, and it's the margin that matters. And with this inflation, and uh, so we, we reached out in a letter to President Joe Biden calling on the administration to reverse overly burdensome regulations and policy barriers on the United States agriculture production, on the American farmer, rancher, and working families. This is, you know, this, uh, this letter outlines several actions that, quite frankly, the Biden administration could take immediately. They don't need Congress for this. They need to help our farm families. And ultimately, that's going to help every American family because uh, we bring down input costs. We can help to bring down food costs. And so, you know, uh, you know the letter was uh, um, pretty straightforward, actually. There were kind of four components to it. It addressed farm input costs. Uh, halting the changes to the waters of the United States, WOTUS, which is creating so much uncertainty. You know, stay with that navigable water role that under President Trump that, that addressed the issues that need to be addressed but provided certainty uh, for the American farmer. Um, refocusing the EPA on sound science, putting those scientists back to work. Uh, they've been displaced by the political types at that EPA agency. And finally, uh, just ending that uh, just uh, onerous uh, climate rule that they came out with, uh, where uh, farmers would have to report based on uh, publicly traded organizations that they may buy from or deal with. Um, there would be compliance requirements that I would say, um, I don't know if any farmer could comply, but I can guarantee you that small, medium-sized farms could not comply with that, uh, that uh, proposed regulation, that proposed rule. Absolutely, folks. And that's that SEC climate disclosure rule. We've mentioned it here on the show. It is a big, big deal. Those comment periods, is, I believe, is still open for that rule. If you want to make your voice heard, get on there to the Federal Register and get that in there. Congressman Thompson, you introduced this in a letter, then you brought it out in a bill. You introduced H.R. 8069. Was that just effectively codifying those four issues into uh, legislation? No, it really was. It was uh, a response, really, in this crisis that we're in. That um, that you know that we need concrete, immediate policy actions to help mitigate impacts both here at home and, and abroad. So, uh, American agriculture, you know, if given the right tools and regulatory confidence, I would call that certainty. You know, they can serve as a vital role in alleviating what I think is a, a, a significant uh, a human crisis that's coming. Uh, global food instability and mitigating the cost for consumers when you look, you know, as a result of uh, around the world, it's what Vladimir Putin has done in that breadbasket of, uh, of Europe and Ukraine. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the Biden administration has uh, uh, has made it worse. They've, they've neglected to take serious action to increase American production. Uh, I'll be uh, um, waiting uh, to see if we get a reply. Uh, from the president and his administration. I would not be surprised if we, you know, that they just failed to even acknowledge uh, uh, this critical problem um, um, and, and reply to the, you know, to a significant letter when you get over, when you get nearly 100 members of Congress. But this bill would uh, would reverse many of those more harmful regulatory burdens that have been spearheaded by this administration. You know, Congressman, over the past six months, the House Ag Committee has been very, very active, hearing a lot of different issues that are important to farmers. And a lot of those conversations have had pretty much bipartisan support, or at least broad support on, along uh, uh, both both parties. The Democrats recently compiled a lot of this legislation together into the lower food and fuel costs bill, some of it also maybe less bipartisanly supported. What's your take on that package of legislation? Well, you know, the, the, the Democrats have given H.R. 7606. That's the one that, that passed. They, they gave it a cute, although uh, terribly dishonest new title that you referenced, Lower Food and Fuel Costs Act. I, I think it actually overall would do uh, completely opposite. Uh, and they've added a, a suite of other, other bills. It's, um, and, you know, and some of the bills that they added were, were good bipartisan bills. They would have been... Uh, uh, they're ones that received large bipartisan support. Uh, at least two of them have uh, Republican co-sponsors. The problem is they put a poison pill uh, within that bill um, that, uh, you know, that's, in short, the crisis that we're facing cannot be mitigated with, with these unfunded mandates. They have duplicative authorities, politicized agencies, 
and big government. Um, specifically, it would be the the uh, meat and poultry special investigator bill. You know, we already have under the the Packers and Stockyards Act going back in 1930s. We have a there's a division at USDA. It's full of attorneys, investigators, um, mediators. Uh, I mean, they're well staffed. Uh, and, and and they're effective, you know. In, in 2020 alone, they they closed 1,900 cases. Um, and I I will say, you know, when it comes to me processing, you know, if there is price fixing, is there collusion? You know, I expect that there'll be prosecution. That's that is unacceptable. And but we already have what I guess what I've come to label as uh, cow cops out there um, that are doing a, a good job of, of keeping the the uh, processing industry honest. Uh, providing that that oversight, um, and this was a this what they included the poison pill that they included was a duplicative uh, adding to uh, bureaucracy. It wasn't funded, so that means it's going to take away from the folks who are working in effective uh, an effective way because the funding will probably have to come from from the uh, the current individuals, professionals that are that are working and doing an effective job, um, and. And that also means that you know the you know one of the reasons that we have concentration within the meat processing industry is is because of decades ago the the amount of new regulations that was placed on that industry small and medium sized mom and pop uh, processors slaughterhouses whatever you would like to call them protein processing uh, they couldn't cope uh, financially with those layers of regulations the compliance costs actually drove them out of business. Um, this represents more compliance costs, also uncertainty. I mean, who, you know, who do you listen to in authority? Is it the, the folks that have been doing the job and doing it rather effectively? Uh, or is it this new, uh, new authority that would be put in place with this special investigator bill? Um, so you have uncertainty of increased costs, increased compliance. Um, and, and overall, it was said that that provision um, and I debated and argued uh, before the Rules Committee with my colleagues across the aisle uh, that this uh, this poison pill should have been taken out of this piece of legislation. Uh, and I, I think if that would have happened, we'd have seen broad support uh, for the, the rest of those bills. As you said, uh, most of that was, was a result of uh, good bipartisan work together. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of discussion leading up to that. Now we'll we'll see what happens going forward. Congressman, I understand it's going to be a busy week for the Ag Committee. You've got a hearing coming up tomorrow. What are you folks going to be talking about? Well, we're lo- looking forward to uh, uh, to the hearing tomorrow. We are, uh, as you said, it's going to be a, uh, uh, a busy week. We will be having, um, and this, uh, we're going to do a review of the, uh, the farm bill dairy provisions tomorrow that's near and dear to my heart as coming from a long line of dairy farmers i i tell people that i um, probably have milk running through my veins uh, uh, but uh, uh, we've got uh, four witnesses coming up tomorrow uh, and i think it's going to be a host of things i think we're going to hear uh, about how uh, under democratic leadership back in 2009 2010 that uh, there was a decision to cheat our kids of the uh, in schools of the best nutrition when whole milk and flavor was taken out of the schools. Um, I think we're going to probably see some, re- hear some reflections, I would assume, on uh, federal milk marketing orders. You know, we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them, expect different results. And every year, I mean, through attrition, how many dairy farms go out of business? Uh, um, you know, I don't think we want concentration within the dairy industry uh, the way we, we really don't want concentration within the meat processing industry. So look at, looking forward to uh, uh, to that hearing, um, and that will be 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and, and there is, it will be available uh, with a, a link uh, if you go to the House Agriculture Committee website for those that would like to, uh, you know, to get more information, and quite frankly, to be able to, to, uh, to watch it. Fantastic, folks. Well, do be sure to check that out. I'm glad during Dairy Month we got to check in with Congressman Glenn Thompson, Mr. Milk in his veins. Congressman, thanks for joining us here on AOA today. Well, my my pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike. And folks, stick around. We're going to be talking to Jason Ellsworth from Wilbur Ellis when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA agriculture of america don't go away more aoa coming right up 
As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> a heads up before something bad happens. You should not send that text. Uh-oh. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can reverse pre-diabetes and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Corey Parsons. He's an animal nutritionist at CHS, and he's here to share tips for early calf weaning. Corey, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. With many ranchers experiencing drought, why can early weaning be an important herd and pasture management tool? That's a great question, Mike. Around the country, a lot of this area that, we're, that we serve right now, we experience that considerable amount of drought. And time of weaning can have impacts on both the cow and calf performance, as well as health and productivity of the pasture and rangelands. A few of the benefits of early weaning that I like to talk about are improved cow body condition. And uh, by early weaning calves, we reduce the nutrient requirements for lactation from that cow, thus reducing nutrient needs by as much as 30 to 50%. Those nutrients can then be used for improving her nutrient reserves and body condition going into the fall winter and pre-calving season. Also, we like to talk about the improved calf performance. Most times during the drought, the forage quality is low, forage availability is low, and is not conducive to adequate calf body weight gain. By early weaning these calves, we can provide high quality, nutrient-dense feedstuffs to these calves to better help them meet their genetic potential for growth, as well as help them remain healthy. And then also implementing an early enough weaning, pre-weaning program, we can help improve conception rates in our cattle. And then finally, the one I like to talk about is improved forage availability for the cow through forage conserved by not being consumed by the calf, thus allowing the ranchers to keep the cattle on pasture and rangelands longer. We've been talking with Corey Parsons, animal nutritionist with CHS. Corey, thanks for joining us here. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. And folks, thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, Remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. You're listening to AOA. 
Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to AOA today. As I mentioned earlier on in the program, I am sitting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in the convention center with a group of truly global individuals that have gathered here for the Agroxine Bioperformance Week. And next up, we are going to talk about getting bioperformance out into the hands of growers. We're going to do that with Jason Ellsworth. He's the Organic Portfolio Manager at Wilbur Ellis. Jason, thanks for joining us today. For our audience who maybe hasn't heard the name Wilbur Ellis, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? So I am the organic portfolio manager. So all of the organic products that have a Wilbur Ellis name on them, I manage uh, both uh, product development and then the marketing side of it. But Wilbur Ellis is a uh, 100 years old last last year uh, in 2021. But we're a family-owned company, the fourth largest retailer in the U.S. Most of our presence is uh, uh, west of the Mississippi uh, with uh, quite a bit of emphasis on specialty crops, but definitely have a presence in the row crop market in the Midwest and, and moving east and into the Northeast. All right, and we're here, we're talking biologicals here at the Bioperformance Week event. What's been your experience working with biologicals here over the years? Well, we've, uh, working with biologicals, uh, I've been in that area for uh, 30 years now. My dad sold those uh, growing up. They were, you know, the snake oils. And, uh, and, but nothing's really changed in that our understanding of them has changed. We understand what they are. We understand the timing of them and the components. And, and with that understanding, we can apply them at the right times. And now we're seeing the fruits of that, all that hard work and it's paying out finally. Uh, many of these profits are now vindicated, I guess. From Well, and that's always, that, that's the important part, right? We've got to get the payback if we're doing all of this work. So talk to me about the experience you've had with growers who have worked biologicals into their operation, either as, as an over the top, they've added to their existing, or they've replaced components with biologicals. Has it gone well? Have you seen generally return customers coming back after experimenting with new technologies? Yeah, once you get to the point where a grower understands his irrigation and he understands the moisture situation and he understands the nutrition, the next level then is how can we fine tune that? What can we do to overcome some of the stresses that you know just nutrition doesn't handle? And that's where we're seeing the biggest benefit to biostimulants. So uh, one of the products in particular that we use is or that trying to encouraging people to use a smart foil put that on right at flowering or just before flowering to assist with drought stress and help the plant get through that and and those products as growers understand that and they see the results then it becomes an easy sell that's that's the key seeing it in action is what makes it an easy sell and you've come here you're here in cedar rapids with the team from agroxine what's it been like working with agroxine here on a regular basis Oh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, th th there's a new perspective being international and having the experience in South America and in Europe and then bringing that into the U.S. Um, it's, it's, more, it's about data. It's about the success and figuring out where people are having success and then how to translate that into cropping systems here. And I'm sure they do that. You know, Agroxine does that when they go to other parts of the world. But... Um, more and more of our agriculture is is worldwide and so some of these practices and principles that work others work everywhere else are going to work here and vice versa yeah that's absolutely true there's a lot of true global knowledge sharing that can happen in agriculture and we could all learn quite a bit from that as you think about working with the customers who who are hesitant about biologicals what are the biggest hurdles you have to overcome when you're explaining this technology to folks the biggest hurdle is preconceived ideas, either from past experience or conversations that they've had. And so it's getting past that, that they've already said no and getting them to try again, to say, okay, we understand that, try it one more time. And we think 
they'll have success or we know we'll, we'll have success, but just getting over that initial hesitation that was getting burned in the past for whatever reason. And for growers who are dealing with that, it's in the back of their minds. I tried something like this in 2013 and it cost me six bucks an acre and I didn't get any return. How can they assuage those fears here in 2022? What do you recommend? Just small trials to get your foot in the door, see what this the, the new bio, biologicals can do? So we, we have field days. And so we encourage them to get out to those and look at that. But yeah, definitely. And, and in fact, earlier today, we were talking about collecting data and every grower needs to build that into their program because there's so many things to look at they need to have a program for assessing new products. And so this would be a way that they could do that, incorporate it into their on-farm research and then make the decision themselves. And we'll support them any way we can, but helping them do that or a group of growers doing their on-farm research to help answer some of these questions. And, and the people that are doing that, I, I mean, Iowa is a fantastic example in the Soybean Association of on-farm research where growers are doing it themselves, figuring out what works, and then being successful that way. As you look out to the future, you've been in this space a while. What are you most excited about with biologicals looking out five, 10 years? Oh, the, the potential. I mean, there, we, we have just barely scratched the surface. I mean, there are so many things. We, we understand so little about the soil. We understand so little about the soil and plant interactions. Um, the potential is just enormous on things that we can do. All right, and that's going to keep coming. You're going to keep working with growers to get that technology out there, you I bet, imagine. You bet, yes, and finding good partners to do it. Where can folks learn more about Wilbur Ellis? So we're uh, any one of the social media. Just uh, look for Wilbur Ellis or on the web at WilburEllis.com. Fantastic. Really appreciate that, folks. We have been talking with Jason Ellsworth. He's the organic portfolio manager there at Wilbur Ellis. And Jason, appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. And folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. That's the end of my time here at Bio Performance Week from Agroxane. Want to give a big thank you to the team there for getting me here. I'm very excited to tour that factory a little bit later on in the day. Folks, thanks for tuning in to AOA. Tomorrow we'll be back. We're going to talk markets and we're going to talk food versus fuel discussion in the ethanol space as that ramps up with inflation. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The Parkinson's Foundation knows that the disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. If you or someone you know is living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement, we understand that it can be difficult to know where to find help. If you have questions, the Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease. Help you find expert care and local support. Give you tips for living a better life. And share the latest research. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org. Or call 1-800-473-4636. That's 1-800-473-4636. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better Better lives together.